This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and of the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I have, uh, I've napped twice uh, in preparation for this, so I am refreshed and ready to go. Wow, the double nap. That is yeah. not something I have done in a while, but I did get a single nap in this weekend. Uh, which was excellent. Uh, I also went to go see the Avengers uh, Endgame yesterday, and that was so good. Very good. Yeah, I saw it twice. Saw it Friday and Saturday morning. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. I definitely want to see it again. So that was great. Um, certainly better than watching the Red Sox uh, was this weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. So A little bit. As we uh, record this. Um, the Red Sox got rained out Friday and then lost two straight to Tampa Bay at home. Um, this past week wasn't bad. It actually, you know, you know, Monday got rained out by Detroit and then they ended up, uh, splitting that series, which I think that, you know, all things aside, um, there was a little bit of bullpen mismanagement in the first game of that doubleheader with Detroit, um, Overall, the Red Sox just aren't playing very good baseball. We thought that that last week against Tampa Bay would be sort of the turning point, and Patrick and I talked about that here on the podcast. But um, lo and behold, it has not uh, seemed to be the turning point. And uh, I think that all that that's saying is that 
um, the issues that the Red Sox have are a little bit more deep-seated than, um, you know, just something that can be turned around by, like, one good series win. Um, and so today on your April 28th edition of the show, or April uh, 29th probably for most of you as you listen to this, um, we are going to discuss some injured Red Sox players and when they should be back, and then we're going to take a deep dive into some of the numbers behind your 11 and 17 Red Sox to see kind of whether or not this start is appropriate for uh, the stats that the team's been actually putting up. Um, so let's start with injuries, Keats. Um, Holt, uh, Brock Holt was scratched from a rehab assignment in Pawtucket. It seems like his eye is still aggravating him a little bit. Um, another second baseman, Dustin Pedroia, is going to begin a rehab assignment on Thursday uh, in Portland. So that's a good sign for him. Eduardo Nunez is taking swings and is close to a rehab assignment, although that one hasn't officially been announced yet. Another second baseman here, uh, Marco Hernandez, was activated from the injured list and is now playing at high A Salem. Brian Johnson threw a 25-pitch bullpen session. And lastly, J.D. Martinez was out for the second straight day uh, with back spasms. So a whole bunch of injury stuff there. Anything catch your eye? Not a ton. Um, I surprisingly found myself longing for Brian Johnson because I feel like the bullpen needs any kind of stabilization it can get. And surprisingly, that's that's where we're at. That's what we got. So that's the one that I missed the most out of all those those ones that you listed there. I, I need Brian Johnson back in my life, and I feel dirty for saying it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, I like Brian Johnson um, more than most people as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to make that much of a difference, but, yeah, it's it's definitely it's interesting. It, I think maybe the most interesting thing about all those injuries is that four of those guys are guys that's primarily – primary position uh with the red sox is is second base um and that's also the position that chavis is playing right now uh and that brings us to our first big question of the night um and actually this one was asked to us by a listener uh matthew kitson he says what happens when nunez holt pedroia uh eventually come back because i can't imagine chavis being sent down and um Chavis had another home run today, 441-foot blast. He also had a throwing error that cost the team a run. So, uh, Keats, I'm going to kick this one to you. Um, what do you think happens when all of these guys are healthy? Um, certainly, let, let's just assume that all these guys are healthy and no one else is on the IL. So what would they do if they were all ready to be on the team? Well, uh, another guy had an error today. Devers made his eighth, and honestly, at this point, I think what's going to happen is Devers is going to get benched and Chavis is going to go to third because right now Devers isn't giving you what he needs to at the plate or in the field, um, and Chavis is. So I think if uh, you're going to give playing time at second base to one of those other guys, I think you got to give Devers a break here just to kind of collect himself. Either set him down to get, you know, regular at bats at triple a or he's just gonna end up taking you know several days off in a row uh and then end up back at third when you know chavis gives someone a break at second but i think that may be the direction they're headed that's a really interesting 
take. Um, I don't necessarily know if I agree. Um, I do think that Devers is underperforming. Um, when you look at his numbers, he's got a 278, 375, uh, 344 slash line. So uh, Devers is not hitting for any power this year. He's getting on base at a high clip, but he has zero home runs on the season. Um, and when you, you dig into his numbers a little bit more, he's hitting the ball into the ground just so much this year. He's got a 57.5% ground ball percentage. He's only putting the ball in the air 20.5% of the time. He's not taking very good at bats. Um, we did get another listener question about this exact exact thing from Ben Jacobson. He says, why is Devers beginning to be so passive at the plate uh, and taking strikes that are very hittable pitches? And then when he's behind the count, swinging at breaking balls and change-ups in the dirt. I think that um, you know some of that is true, but um, a lot of this is just Devers showing his inexperience offensively, and he, he's certainly struggling, and I can't imagine that his struggles in the field are helping him at all mentally when he's up at the plate. He's probably right. pressing to do something positive for the team. I think it's one of those things where it's just kind of compounding, like you said. He's, he's, he's pressing to try and do something positive, and then it's just kind of spreading to uh, you know not helping him out. You know, I mean, you're right. He's, he is getting hits. Um, he's actually... Uh, is this the the best average he's ever had? What was his first season was not so bad. Um, well, let me flip back here. His, yeah, it uh, is. So yeah. three points higher than his rookie year. So he's doing well there. Um, highest on base percentage he's had. He's walking at, a, at the highest clip he's ever had. So he's he's doing some things right at the plate. But his launch angle is uh, 3.8 degrees. So as you said, he's just dropping everything right in the ground. He's only barreling 1.4%. Which the past two seasons he's continually barreled well over league average, and this isn't even close. So it's just his quality of contact just isn't there, and it feels like it's just he feels a lot of pressure on himself with what's going on in the field. Um, he has you know Chavis and others breathing down his neck in the minors. Uh, I think it may be more mental than you know his actual abilities at this point. Yeah, I would have probably said you were crazy for the idea of, of sending him down to work on things, but if Pedroia does come back um, and pushes Chavis off of second base and Chavis were to play third base for like two, three weeks uh, up here, I would every day I would not think that that would be a bad thing for sending Devers down to Pawtucket. Uh, to work on some defense and work on some confidence at the plate. Um, and it's crazy that we're saying that, but I really just think that that might be a solid idea. Man, I can't believe I'm agreeing with this right now. Yeah, the talent's there. Um, it, it really you, – it you can tell just by looking at him that it he still has the skills. Like I think um, Matt on the Lockdown podcast brought up after his last error that – he has flashes where he'll make just two ridiculous defensive plays in a row, and then he'll follow it up with just a laughable error. So you see the potential in the field, and we all know his potential at the plate, and it just kind of seems like it's mental at this point because you know we know he has the skills. He's just not putting it together. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, yeah, and he's been one of the biggest drains on the team so far. Um, he's got a pretty much league average WRC plus, little below right now, which is just not good enough for 
your third baseman, especially when he's chucking balls and costing the team runs like he did today. I mean, he cost cost the Red Sox two runs today with his error. So it's just it's it's becoming extremely costly, especially when you're going to lose a game, um, you know, five to two to a team when your offense isn't performing either. So. Yeah, yep. and Chavis uh, has looked much more comfortable. He's getting on base at a high clip. He's hitting for power. Um, today's error for Chavis at second base was just simply uh, him not knowing how to set his feet um, for a throw when turning a double play. Um, that's exactly the type of thing that we talk about when we talk about uh, a guy that just hasn't played a whole lot of second base. Um, that's a correctable thing, um, and that's one of the knocks that – uh, Ian Cundell over at Sox Prospects when he came on the Locked On podcast talked about Chavis's defense at second base. Um, he talked about him getting lazy with his footwork, and I think that that was just kind of what we saw today. So there's no perfect yep. option uh, right now at second or third, um, but I think you can't really expect the perfect option when your team is 11 and 17. A positive note for Devers though is he has cut his strikeout rate by eight percent compared to last season, which was uh, his strikeouts. Um, not that they were really outside of the league average, being in the, the mid-20s, but higher than you would have liked to have seen it. And right now it's at 16%, which is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, that is solid. That's one good thing for Devers right now. Yeah. So what I want to do right now is I want to um, look at the team as a whole in uh, a bunch of key offensive categories, pitching categories, and defense uh, a lot of these categories are taken right from fan graphs, so they haven't been updated for today's game. So, um, you know, they will be updated with that. But this gives you a good snapshot of where the team has performed to this point in the year. Um, so let's start with offense, Keaton. Uh, here are some key offensive stats uh, for the Red Sox on offense. Uh, they've gotten 84 WRC+, which is 21st best in the major leagues. A 390 slugging percentage, which is 23rd best. A 320 OBP, good for 19th best. They have the 24th most homers in the major leagues. They've got a 306 Woba, which is 20th. So let me ask you, Keats, what do all these numbers tell you so far about the way the offense has performed? Uh, my initial reaction was I was actually kind of surprised that they were this bad. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I think that it made sense because you're really only getting actual contributions from J.D. Martinez, Jenner Bogarts, uh, bets over the last week and a half to two weeks. Um, and that's, and Ben and And that's it. So four guys, less than half your lineup is actually getting hits, getting on base, and producing. And with bets, it really was only until recently. So there's a lot of guys that are just not producing. Mitch Moreland is a confusing case because he has 18 hits on the season, and 12 of them are extra base hits. Seven of those are home runs. He's barely hitting over 200. So it's essentially an extra base hit or nothing. So it's tough to say whether... That's actually helping or hurting <laughs> because he has had some incredibly timely hits that has, I mean, there's no doubt he won a couple of games in the first week, but he really hasn't done a ton since then. So it's hard to put that in there. Steve Pierce has been a massive disappointment. Um, and the outfield, uh, outside of Betts and Benfendi, which, uh, you know, JBJ would kind of assume this is 
I mean, we hoped for better, but you're not going to take him out of the lineup because he needs defense. So he's going to be there. And really, the two places where you knew you were going to suffer at the plate was catcher and center field, which is exactly what happened last year. But you assumed the rest of the lineup was going to pick him up. And that hasn't happened this year because we have a massive hole at second base. And first base has not lived up to the potential. Yeah, I think the position that has most underperformed uh, on the theme so far has been center field with Jackie Bradley Jr. He's got zero home runs, just four RBIs. Um, Jackie's got a slash line right now of 150, 233, 188 with just an 11 weighted runs created plus. Uh, and we did get a listener question from Riley Austin who asked us what happens if Jackie doesn't start hitting. So uh, I'm going to turn that over to you, Keaton. What does happen if this continues for Jackie? Because I don't know if I've seen him this bad in a while. This has been one of the worst stretches that he's had in a Red Sox uniform. I agree. Yeah, 100%. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure because who plays center in his place? Do you move bets there and you put J.D. Martinez in right field and then maybe D.H. Devers and then you know, Chavis plays third. Sure. Um, I mean, that's a potential option, but then you've got J.D. Martinez who's been dealing with back spasms and who you really don't want to expose that much in the field. Right. That's, I don't know who else you have that you feel good about in the outfield. And this is where the Red Sox get exposed for their complete lack of depth, too, because it's not like you can look down at the minor leagues and be like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's take a look down there and see who can play outfield. No, if you look at the outfield for Pawtucket right now, you've got Gorky Hernandez, Rusny Castillo, Bryce Brents, Cole Sturgeon. I mean, these are these are not real options to come up. And if you look down even farther, you've got – Guys like Anuri Tavares, Tate Matheny, I mean, these are not good options at all. Let's get desperate and just bring Duran right up. <laughs> Single A to the majors. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. The the jump from Salem to Boston, yeah. Um, the, the sad thing is he'd probably hit better than JBJ right now. <laughs> I think he would, too. Yeah. <laughs> So what are your thoughts? Where do you think the the offense kind of sits right now? I mean, well, in regards to Jackie, I don't think you could do anything. I think you just need to run him out there every day because you risk uh, your other assets if you're exposing them to the field. Uh, like, I, I don't want to do that to J.D. Martinez, essentially, uh, because he's one of the, the few things that is going right on the team. Um, I actually think what you've been getting at catcher is just fine. Um, so far, I don't think that you can really point to that as one of the big reasons why uh, the team hasn't been performing. Um, other than that, I mean, the guys you look at are really just Rafael Devers. You want more consistency from Mitch. Um, Steve Pierce is just not healthy right now, I don't think. I think that he is somebody who I would consider a IL stint for um, because he just he doesn't look like himself. Uh, Steve Pierce is a really professional major league hitter. I mean, hell, he was the World Series MVP last year. Um, something's wrong with that guy right now. So I think that that's somebody you need to just take right out of the lineup right now. Uh, and unfortunately, Keaton, what is happening is uh, our prediction for a really bad uh, platoon at first base 
is actually coming to fruition after a super hot start for Mitch Moreland. Yep, it sure is. It looked really good after about a week, um, but it's been on a rather sharp decline ever since. Yeah, and I, I do think that there are certain guys who are getting better. Like, JD has been great all year. Bogey has been great all year. Benny has been better as of late. Betts has been better as of late. So I think there are signs of life, but you're going to need contributions from Jackie Endeavors if this team is going to go anywhere this year. Agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Chavis' small time up here, though, seven games, uh, he leads the team with a 151 WRC+. plus. Dude's getting on base at like a 407 clip right now. Uh, I'm just over the moon with the success that he's having. It's yeah. incredible. This brings a big smile to my face. You know, it's funny. Even like, you know, your your everyday average baseball fan, I think, looks at Michael Chavis and uh, is just excited by the charisma of the kid. My mom talked to me about uh, the Red Sox today, um, and she was like, hey, that Chavis kid really seems like he belongs. And I was like, yeah, he does. And she's like, yeah, he's, he's really confident. And I think that that, um, that observation is just pretty easy to see. You know, he never seems like the moment's too big for him, and he expects to have good at-bats up there. He definitely has a very professional approach to hitting, and I think it helps that the kid has a little bit of swag. I love it. And uh, I'm hoping that the more comfortable he gets, the more he lets it out. Um, I can't remember who he was talking to, so I apologize for not being able to give credit to the the proper person on Twitter. But uh, he was asked about this new school, old school bullcrap that we have going on. And he was like, honestly, I'm just, I'm incredibly, he's like, I may not show it when I'm rounding the bases, but I'm incredibly excited about every single home run that I hit. And I, I want to see that swag come out after he launches a bomb. Because I, I like, I like as much disrespect as possible in the game. <laughs> well, you and uh, Tim Anderson both, that's yeah. for sure. Um, Chavis was very cognizant to have a home run shot that was not too fast after his first home run. I don't know if you heard that or not, but he uh, he said that a lot of guys just get too pumped up and like basically sprint around the bases, and he didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, I'm sure he was going to have more than one shot at it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Let's look at the pitching side of things. Um, all right, let's go down the list. Um, pitching right now, 531 ERA as a team. Uh, that's 26th uh, best in baseball, or 26th worst. I don't know how you want to phrase it. I guess it is 26th best. Um, they have Sounds a, better that way. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll do that. It's a glass half full way of saying it. Um, 578 ERA for the starters, which is 28th best. 470 ERA, which is 19th best, and that's for the relievers. As a team, they have a 14.7 K minus walk rate, which is 12th best in the league. That's one thing that we've talked about so far that's actually top half. Um, this one really stood out to me here. 68.2% left on base percentage, which is 28th worst or 28th best in the league um that is not good that means that when guys get on base uh they are scoring a lot of the time uh they do have a 421 sierra which is 11th best in baseball another positive stat 16.8 percent home run uh to fly ball ratio 
which is 25th best in the league. So Keaton, looking at all these numbers, how do we diagnose what's actually gone wrong with the pitching? And is there any sort of silver lining to these numbers? Uh, no and no. Um, these all make absolute sense. The For the first week and a half, the relief pitching was the only saving grace that they had because all the starters couldn't pitch to save their lives. Now the bullpen is performing it's about as good as we expected them to, which isn't very. And the starters have, for the most part, started to turn around, but they dug themselves such a massive hole. Like, I don't think we still only have one starter whose ERA is under four. And, you know, a week and a half ago, we only had one starter whose ERA was under seven and a half. So they were just in such a deep bucket to start the season that it's it's not going to be something that they get turned around easily. And uh, there is positive news, though, because each of the starters, as they've progressed, have gotten better and better. The exception of David Price has actually been really good the entire year. Um, but Sale, um, in particular, has been getting better and better and is still uh, not where he wants to be, which is good news for us because we want him to be much better than he's he's performing right now. But Porcello's had a couple of good outings, which I'll – absolutely give him credit for uh prices continue to gone out there and you know be a successful major league pitcher eduardo rodriguez has thrown a couple of gems here as of late the starting pitching at least is turning around but they had they were so bad to start the season that none of these numbers surprised me whatsoever so i actually i'm gonna take um some positives here um, from the performance. I think some of the performance from the starting pitching um, and relievers was a little bit fluky early on uh, in a couple of different ways. I think that the starters definitely weren't ready uh, for the year. We, we've we talked about that at length. Um, I also think they got a little bit unlucky at the beginning of the year, um, and I think that the bullpen pitched a little bit above their heads. So over the last 14 days, uh, the Red Sox actually rank fifth in baseball with a 327 uh, starters ERA, uh, just behind the Dodgers, Cubs, Yankees, Rays. Um, so that's really good, and that's sort of what you expect. And those numbers, when you dig into those, I mean, strikeout rate for those guys is 10.6, so that's really high. They're not walking very many. The starters have been great over the last couple weeks. The relievers, though, um, and this is the problem that we all expected coming into the year, the relief ERA over the last two weeks is 5.64, with it, which is 27th best in baseball, uh, just above the Orioles, Nationals, and Tigers. Um, that is certainly not company you want to be in with with the bullpen, but it seems like the pitching side of things is actually normalizing to what it should be, strong starters, weak bullpen. I agree with that, yeah. And uh, I think I will concede that Tyler Thornburg is not very good. <laughs> well, it only took you a month, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, I do think that there is something to the fact that a couple of those those underlying metrics, though, in, in K-minus walk rate in Sierra, which kind of digs a little bit deeper, um, do say that this is an above-average pitching group as a whole. I do think that they they have a lot of work that they need to do with the bullpen. Uh, maybe that is doing some of the things that we've mentioned on the show before, 
um, bringing up guys like Feltman, Hernandez, and then looking outside for some other options. The bullpen is certainly someplace where um, they are not going to make the playoffs if they don't address the bullpen, um, let alone be a 500 team. I mean, this this could be an Achilles heel. Um, but so far, out of these two categories, I'm far more worried about the Red Sox on offense uh, than I am about their pitching. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Which is shocking because they were an excellent offensive team last year and they basically returned the entire team. Yeah, they did. And I think some of uh, you know what they brought back we anticipated was probably not as good as they performed, mainly the first base platoon yeah. um, and whatever was going to happen at second. But we also expected that some guys were going to take, take leaps forward as they were still – young and developing and that hasn't quite happened yet so the offense is uh, a little bit behind well let's get to perhaps the ugliest part of the entire team thus far uh, and that is the defense the defense for your 2019 red sox uh, they are 25th in baseball with 21 errors uh, devers has eight by himself nunez has two uh, no one else on the team has more than one. And in terms of overall defensive ranking, which takes in some of those advanced metrics, um, Fangraphs ranks them 25th in total defense. Um, so clearly, Keaton, we have a defensive unit here that is not doing the pitching staff any favors whatsoever. No, it is not. And Devers actually has more errors himself than Kansas City has and Milwaukee has. And he's only one behind the Dodgers. He's been a complete fucking nightmare. <laughs> he has. Yeah, he really has. And um, without his eight errors, there actually would be top ten, which is a far cry from the you know, 25th that they are. So that, that shows you that a lot of their defensive errors are coming from one spot, which uh, they have ways of addressing. Um, but I think we still, for the most part, have – some faith that he can figure it out. I mean, he is still 22, but it's it's the dilemma of, yeah, okay, he's 22, but we've been giving him every day at bats for over a year now, and how long do we keep sticking him there every day before he has to figure it out? Yeah, so I don't know how long we can cling to this narrative with, with Devers, um, and I think you're right. Like, he is 22. I mean, he's... He's younger than – I just went to a college baseball game today, and there were a good number of kids who redshirted uh, at that game who were older than Rafael Devers. Um, you know, <laughs> so, like, that puts it into perspective for you. But at the same time, like, when you go around the diamond, are you worried about Moreland's defense? Hell no. Are you mo- worried about uh, second base defense? Yeah, we are. Um, There's a reason and, for that, though. Right, exactly. Like, you have a whole myriad – uh, reason why that's happening and you understand it Xander you're not worried about whatsoever the outfield I mean god man you're not worried about that one bit that's the strength of the team so you're really looking at one position that's been dragging you down like crazy um but it just it, I think it magnifies how important third base is uh to a team defense it's it's got to be one of the most important positions on the diamond defensively yeah for sure, and uh, it probably doesn't help seeing guys like I'm uh, not that I expect uh, Devers defense to be on the level of like Machado and Arenado or Matt Chapman, but 
those guys make that Devers right now wouldn't even dream of. And it's there's just a, a massive gap between what should be a major league average third baseman and what Devers is playing right now. Yeah, and I don't know what they're going to do about this. I can't imagine that this is something that uh, Dave Dombrowski is watching and that he is okay with. Uh, we know that Dave is a little bit old school and definitely likes good defenders. So I got to think this is killing him to watch this happen uh, right now. Um, I think that's why when whoever comes back to play second, um, probably Pedroia getting every day at bats, you're going to see Chavis move over there. And they're going to end up doing something with Devers, either, set, either sending him down to get uh, regular playing time or giving him time off. So while I think that that is certainly an option to happen, I think that that is 100% a Band-Aid. Because best case scenario there is be, yeah. that Chavis comes up, right? And he moves over – well, Chavis moves over to third, I should say. He's already up um, and fills in – with average defense over there. Um, by all accounts for minor league scouts, I mean, they say that Devers was actually the superior defender uh, to Chavis. He gets the more balls. He has a better arm, all sorts of stuff. But the thing that you're looking for from Chavis is, hey, you might be physically limited um, and not be able to make plays uh, to your right, you know, with great reaction time or all that stuff. But hopefully Chavis could make uh, – fewer of the mental errors that we've seen from Devers. But I guess the hope is that from sending a guy like Devers down for two, three weeks or a month or something like that, that might get him jump-started in order to finish out the season with better defense. Because if Chavis is your answer defensively at third, you're pretty well screwed at third. Couldn't hurt at this point, though, right? And I guess the uh, worst case, you just make him play on the bag so that every play is to his left, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. You'd be stretching uh, stretching Bogarts pretty hard and begging people to uh, just <laughs> rip pulls uh, through that side of the infield. But you know, it, there's there's no perfect solution right here. If you're if you're picking between right. Devers and Chavis at third, um, you're you're not going to have good defense at third, regardless. So, I mean, bottom line here is that. We've diagnosed this, and, and Ben Jacobson, one of our listeners, asked us a, another question. He said, why do we suck if this is literally the exact same team we had last year minus Kimbrell? Um, well, we've had a lot of regression from guys that we, frankly, didn't uh, expect to have regression from. I think we thought that Betts wouldn't have as good of a season as he had. Uh, we did think that Devers would take a step forward. We thought that Jackie Bradley would be at least what he was last year, and many people thought he'd take a step forward, too. Um, so those things plus, um, Kimbrel is a f huge friggin' deal, man. Like Kimbrel, if he's your ninth, that means that Barnes and Brazier are your seventh and eighth, or sometimes those guys can go a little longer and even stretch into the sixth. So that's going to have huge ramifications on the bullpen. And that's a hundred percent on Dombrowski for, you know, allowing this team to go into the year with that situation in the back end of the bullpen. And as inconsistent as Joe Kelly was, he had three months last year with an ERA under two. So he had two god-awful months in the middle, and I get that. But the his the last two months of the season in the playoffs were stellar, and you don't have him there either. So on top of Barnes, Brazier, Kimbrell, 
and, you know, I guess hat tip to Ben Carsley on Joe Kelly's great stuff, but I, I long for Joe Kelly's inconsistency at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, and he also led the team in innings for, from the bullpen last year, so he did throw a lot of innings. Um, baseball Prospectus has a really interesting uh, way of looking at the standings. Uh, in addition to just actually what the team has done, um, they also do first-order winning percentage, second-order, and third-order winning percentage, which are all slightly different ways of measuring uh, a team's Pythagorean record, uh, taking into account how many runs they've scored and what their defense has been like and quality of opponents and all these different things um, that are too too many to list right now. But basically, when you look at how the Red Sox have performed on the field and what they deserved to have done based on all the stats that we just brought up to you, uh, the Red Sox uh, have actually very slightly uh, overperformed that and are basically 100% in line with what they've done. So they are a true 11-17 and 17 baseball team right now. They don't deserve to be any better. This is what they are. Does that feel wrong to you? Feels pretty accurate to me. No, not. I mean, I've watched. I mean, most every, almost every inning of this thing so far, and that jives. So uh, it sure does. It's it's gonna get better, guys. Because uh, Devers can't get much worse. Jackie definitely can't get much worse. No. Um, and and we're seeing the starters start to turn it around, like we talked about, and we are seeing. Uh, the outfield, uh, minus JBJ, uh, hit pretty well recently. So it's got to go up, right? Yeah, only place to go. So with all of that, we've diagnosed each phase of the game, uh, taking a look at their Pythagorean record. Where is your panic meter on making the playoffs? Because honestly, even after all that, mine's still kind of low. Um, so if a 10 is, there's no way in hell we're making the playoffs and a one is we're a lock. Don't worry about it. I'm somewhere at a five right now. So I think I'm at a three and I'm, I'm not sure why I feel that positive, but it it may just be how much season is left coupled with we've seen the potential of what this team can do. But you know what? The Yankees are winning games now too. So that's going to make it even harder with Tampa and the Yankees winning. So Yeah, the Yankees have their entire starting lineup uh, on the IL or had their entire starting lineup on the IL essentially. And they are 17-11, and 11, just a game and a half back of the Tampa Bay Rays right now. Um that's ridiculous. Yeah, but that just highlights something that the Red Sox have completely failed to do um, is have any sort of quality depth. Um, the Red Sox did not prepare for that uh, adequately in the off season, and you're seeing that with the Yankees being able to plug in guys from the minor leagues and um, have success, and the Red Sox just simply don't have good options. The Red Sox are a stars and scrubs lineup. Like, let's... Let's just be be frank about that. That's exactly what this unit is. Stars and scrubs. 
I agree. Well, Keats, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't expect 393 baseball to this point. I feel like I'm depressing the listeners. I'm really sorry, guys. But yeah. If you're if you're listening to a Red Sox podcast right now, yeah. you're probably already depressed. So um, Maybe I have something to cheer them up, though, because if you think you can do a better job at building a baseball team than Dave Dombrowski, then uh, I have good news for you. Uh, we here at Over the Monster have a license to give away for out-of-the-park baseball. So for those of you that don't know what it is, out-of-the-park baseball 20 is the result of two decades of dedication to building the best strategic sports game in the world. Licensed by the MLB and the MLB Players Association, out-of-the-park 20 is the uh, is our biggest game ever. It has something for everyone, single-player, multiplayer with or against friends and global competitive events and more. So if you want to uh, build a bullpen, for example, sign Craig Kimbrell, um, add some depth and take the Red Sox all the way to the playoffs and rub it in uh, Dombrowski's face, here's your chance. We want to give you a license for out-of-the-park baseball. All you have to do is on whatever platform you are currently listening to this, go give us a five-star rating and drop us a review, and we will uh, – how long do we want to do this for? Two weeks? Yeah, let's just say – you know what? We'll even extend it out. Let's let's do three weeks. A month? month. Let's do a month. There you go. So you have until uh, June 1st, right? Yep. Yeah, June 1st to uh, give us a five-star rating – Drop us a review, and we will randomly select from those, uh, and we will send you a free license of out of the park baseball. So you can see, put your skills to the test against, uh, I mean, apparently other people around the world. That's pretty impressive. Yes. So let's see what you got. Very good game, by the way. So definitely check that out. And we always do appreciate the reviews. So great point, Keaton. Way to bring the people up. I like it. I'm uh, here, please. Let's get to some listener questions. We have already answered a few, but we do have a few more here. Uh, so the next listener question that we have uh, is from Hodge, and he asks us, uh, will Sale have his first win before you record this? Uh, Hodge, sorry, buddy. Um, no. Uh, the Red Sox lost again, despite uh, two earned runs, eight strikeouts uh, from Chris Sale. Uh, he still didn't have his big fastball today. So we have a couple more follow-up questions on Sale as well. Uh, well, I guess we only have one other one. Um, from Matt Kitson, he says, What's wrong with Sale? He looks like a former shell of himself. Uh, Keaton, any thoughts here on Sale? I don't know if you've had a chance to really talk about him in a while. Yeah, I don't think uh, I have since the first uh, first one we did. Um, well, at least he has been progressively getting better. Um, we saw him top out. Uh, it was his last start to start before at 97, so it seemed like the uh, velocity was coming back. Today he topped out at 94, uh, but that was probably to be expected with the weather. They had some massive wind gusting down there on the field, which we saw him do something similar um, last year uh the wind was a bit worse but he almost abandoned his fastball completely uh but was not throwing very hard at all because it was just kind of 
playing off the wind. It seemed like he was doing that today because there were some uh, weather effects there. So I'm not I'm not going to be too concerned with the fact that he wasn't you know he didn't put up back to back starts where he was touching 97 because I think there was some something to it. Um, but I think as things start to warm up, he's going to continue to progress. Um, it's just taking him a lot longer because I think we kind of agree that we feel they were mismanaged leading up to the season and probably could have been more prepared when the season started and uh, just weren't. So yeah. I think we've seen him take positive steps forward like some of the other pitchers, and I just kind of expect it to continue until you know he's back to who we expect him to be. Yeah, one of the things I was encouraged about today from Sale was the six swing strikes on his four-seam fastball, which is not something we've seen from him uh, very much this year. He had the same amount of swinging strikes on his fastball as he had on his slider today, and he was mixing up the changeup a bit too. So um, I think he was working with more of his pitches than we had seen in the past, and you know, certainly seeing him get some swings and misses on the fastball is encouraging. So even though it wasn't his big fastball, I do still see progress with him. I mean, we got to remember, guys, too, that he's coming off two historically dominant years, and he is also uh, coming off um, dealing with a shoulder strain and then pitching deep into the playoffs. So there's a lot of factors here that are working against Chris Sale in the early going, and I almost think we're being too hard on a guy who is super hard on himself, too. Like, yeah, it sucks that we're not seeing, like, the 14 strikeout, you know, seven strong Chris Sale. Um, but I am more confident that Chris Sale is going to work as hard as he possibly can to get back to what he was um, than I am in basically any player in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I agree. All right, next question comes from the Marx Brothers. All right, comrade. Uh, and he asks <laughs> us, uh, can Chavis stick at second base long term? I think so. Um, whether or not he has to or will is something to be seen, but I think he is competent enough to play the position. I don't think he's going to. Um and I think that that is because the Red Sox are going to use him as their first baseman uh, next year. I think that they're going to let this pairing of Moreland and Pierce go and uh, use him primarily there. I think he can be a fine first baseman. I don't really buy too much into the fact that you have to be like some 6'4 monster to play over there. Um, it certainly helps a little bit, but we've seen Steve Pierce make plenty of athletic plays uh, over at first base, I don't think he'll be an atrocity there. I do think he could play second, um, kind of like a Max Muncy type thing, um, where he goes over there. Um, Ryan McMahon's doing the same thing, um, but I think that uh, I see him more as a first baseman. I think you can do better up the middle. And there are some interesting uh, second base free agents next year, too, who are coming off of injury. One guy that stands out to me is Scooter Jeanette, who's not like an amazing defender, but certainly has a plus bat. And he's going to be, you know, coming off an injury shortened season. I wonder if the Red Sox could get him on a shorter show me deal. I think that's probably what they end up doing with Chavis. I agree with you there. I also would love to see Scooter. I'm a big Scooter fan. I enjoy that. Scooter at Fenway would be nice, I think. That would be nice. 
All right, last question of the day comes from Hector, MLB Mode, and he said, are we going to win something? Uh, if by something, Hector, you mean a baseball game, uh, certainly we will win one of those soon. Um, are we going to win more of those than we lose? Probably. Are we going to win enough of those to win the division? Probably not. Where are you at with that? Yeah, oh boy. Um, thank God there's two wild cards. <laughs> I mean, what do you think their percentage of uh, percentage chances to win the division at this point? Ignoring actual math. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen feels high. I'm gonna go with seven. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably closer. Yeah, it's not great. All right, peoples. Well, uh, hopefully next time we talk to you, uh, next week, we will be uh, reporting more good news and um, things will be better. Um, But thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Um, Please go on and rate and review us and remember uh, to uh, do that so we can enter you in our OOTP uh, baseball uh, little sweepstakes here to get a free code for that. Um, and also, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. Uh, you can follow Keaton at The Spoken Keats, and you can follow me at, at DevJake. So thanks so much for tuning in, and we will be with you for next week's edition of the show. <laughs>